Blog Talk Child Abuse Now Scan Blog Talk Radio Show. NASCA is the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. My name is Victoria Kelly, and I'm the ambassador for Minnesota. I'm your host for this evening, and we are on scan number 3292. I'm excited to introduce you to our special guest this evening. However, first, I'd like to tell you that here at NASCA, we have a single purpose, which is to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over the taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, or CSA, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. Two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Again, we are on scan number 3292. And if you'd like to be part of the panel this evening, please call 646-595-2118. And I'll meet you on the back line and ask if you'd like to ask a question or have any comments for our guests, and we would love to have you join us and support our guests in any night, of course, Monday through Friday, same time. And our uh, special guest this evening is Cherie. Um, hi there. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, I'm okay. And uh, Cherie is just, let me give you a few, because she explains most of us that I don't want to go into everything, but... Um, from Covington, Tennessee, and she's an anti-bullying advocate and author of three books who uses her own story of being bullied and gaslighted to help those endure the same abuse today. In sixth grade, I began a long lesson in the human predator-prey dynamic and a battle for my dignity, safety, and very soul. So um, she took the physical beatings, name-calling, and abuse. Jerry was a victim of what is called poly victimization. In just six months, she went from being a kid who always knew the honor roll to an angry and bitter girl who made only C's and D's. Who could concentrate on schoolwork, she asks. And she attempted suicide at the age of 14 because I felt powerless. 
And then she says, I began to bully those who are even weaker than me and attempt to get back some of my power. And so on these episodes, we welcome various co-hosts and supportive professionals who will assist in fielding questions and lead a variety of topics suggested by our call and participants. The trauma-informed perspectives as survivor professionals will have them guide discussions on the issue of child abuse, trauma, and healthy human sexuality. And uh, we hope that a lot of information will spring from the questions and topics brought to you by our listeners. And uh, we have another um, person on the line, so I'm going to go check that. And uh, uh, Shree, would you like, you've got a topic, or would you like to start us out here? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, okay. I just recently started blogging again after a long hiatus. And uh, so mm-hmm. I've got a couple of new blog posts that uh, I'm going to be posting soon. And uh, awesome. it, as I was writing, I got to thinking um, about how we sometimes allow ourselves to get victimized. And uh, now we don't mean to, but we have been conditioned, you know, from the time we were little to just take abuse. And it's, you know, it's very hard to, uh, it's very hard to overcome. It takes a lot of mental work. But once you overcome it, and you start healing, then, you know, what what you accepted during your time being abused disgusts you after you healed. And, uh, oh, I wish I had my notes. Uh, hold on just a second. No problem. We also have Philip on the line. Oh. Pardon me, I, I've i been having a lot of health problems this last month. Uh, mm-hmm. Joint pain. Don't worry about it, we've got an hour and a half. <laughs> it's getting very hard for me to get around. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, and it's just come up in the last month. I'm going to go mm-hmm. see the doctor about it. Because it's like my whole, my joint, all my joints, my whole body hurts, my back, uh, the fronts of my thighs, my feet. And it's it's especially bad in the morning when I get up. It takes me a while to really get up and going. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I'm going to have it taken care of. I'm going to see a doctor in a couple of weeks. And yeah. maybe he can it's tell me uh-huh. what's going on. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's just sprung up, gotten real bad in the last month. Mm. Okay. I'm glad you're taking care of it. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's getting pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, no, I, uh, I, when I was, Writing my blog, you know, I thought about a lot of things, and I remember a time when bullies would call me uppity. You've heard the term, mm-hmm. the, you've heard the yeah. label uppity. Oh, well, she's uppity. She's just being uppity. Well, mm-hmm. I want, and I want 
I want to talk about that because, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, when targets refuse to take any more crap from their abusers, that's what their abusers mm-hmm. will accuse them of being. They're, they'll accuse them of being uppity. So yeah. let's first let's examine the word uppity. Okay, uppity means mm-hmm. arrogant, haughty, or pompous. And it's used mm-hmm. to describe a person who thinks they are better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. But a bully, you know, however, a bully may label you uppity even though it's, it isn't who you are. And the bully's sure. definition of the word goes much deeper. So you have to look at the context in which the, the term is being used. Look at the mm-hmm. circumstances which prompted the bully to make such a judgment of you. What would motivate, you have to ask yourself, what would motivate a bully to refer to you as uppity? That's gaslighting. And, <laughs> and uh, I've come up with uh, with three reasons. And number okay. one, if you're a target, anytime you display confidence, mm-hmm. your bullies will feel threatened about by that, and they will call you uppity. Uh, there's mm-hmm. there's a difference between confidence and arrogance. Confidence, you know, you're confident you're confident in yourself, and uh, confidence doesn't seek to uh, seek to mistreat other people. Confidence just is, you know, it's there, and it's inside of you. Arrogance, on the mm-hmm. other hand, is basically mistreats other people. Arrogance affects how we treat other people where confidence does not. Mm. But even when you are displaying confidence, I mean, you could, you're not doing anything to them. You're not harming anyone, but you're displaying Mm -hmm. confidence. You're enjoying yourself. uh, You feel good about yourself. And a lot of times bullies will twist that and make it seem like you're being uppity. And the reason mm-hmm. why they do this is because confidence is power. It really is. When a person is yeah. confident and knows who they are, they're least likely to allow others to control them. Uh, and this is a huge threat to the bully's power. Mm-hmm. You know, therefore, bullies will give targets the uppity label in hopes that the target will question themselves or worse, believe it, then feel guilty about it. So when they call you uppity, it's more guilt trip than anything. Mm-hmm. It's to try yeah. and make you feel guilty and to get you to, quote, tone it down, unquote, a mm-hmm. little bit, you know? Yeah. Well, I know when I quite tried to quit drinking, my grandparents or one of my, one of my grandparents said, oh, you think you're better than us now? And that, you know, they might use different terms besides, you know, just the uppity might use other words or terms, but it's basically, right. you know, thinking better than they are, you know, thinking that right. you're better than they exactly. are. Exactly. It's because, like you said, you know, you're doing something to uh, take care of yourself and uh, to keep you back in your place. You know, they'll say all kinds of stuff. And again, that's gaslighting, you know, to keep you where they want you, which is under their thumb. <laughs> Exactly. That You nailed it right there. That's exactly why they do it. And, you know, I've mm-hmm. talked, to, talked to other people about it, and there's this one girl that has lost a lot of weight, 
And uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the people, her her old abusers, you know, she was bullied for being overweight. And now that mm-hmm. she's lost weight, they're calling her what the, what people what, what she called fat phobic. I think is the mm. term. She is caught. Oh, well. They're they are accusing her of being fat phobic, or well. a fat phobia. And it's oh. nothing like that. She just wants to get healthier. But yep. these people who bullied her for being overweight are now mm-hmm. throwing the fat phobia or the fat phobic in her face. Oh, you're just okay, losing weight. Okay, I've never heard that term. Could you, could you explain that term? I've never heard it. Well, you know, I, I think fat phobia is mm-hmm. pretty much a – it's a term that, uh, uh, you know, certain people have come up with mm-hmm. to – it's a derogatory term that they use oh, yeah. to to make people who are trying to get healthier feel guilty. Uh-huh. You know, it, it's it, it's just another way to 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 uh, hurt somebody's pride and to take away their mm-hmm. power. Right. And uh, this girl told me that, you know, everybody around her is accusing her of being, of having fat phobia or being fat phobic. And Mm -hmm. that's not it at all. She just wants to get healthier. She wants to feel better, not only mentally, but physically. You know, she she was telling me how she could not, it it was, it was like uh, dragging a boulder just for her to walk up and Mm -hmm. down the stairs. Oh yeah, and yeah. now that she's a lot thinner, she can walk mm-hmm. upstairs much easier, and people are mm-hmm. tearing her down over it. Yeah, well, that's the thing that, and that's that abusers are going to use whatever they can. You know, it's like I was I was over three hundred pounds, and I went down to one hundred fifty because I ended up getting breast cancer. It happened again, and it was because of medication. It happened again, right. and then I lost another 150 and slammed down, you know, like that. And, um, boy, I tell you what, the way people treat you is completely different, you know. Um, and, and I didn't have a lot of money. Trying to find larger clothes was really difficult. So I was wearing, you know, lots of the same clothes all the time. And and just the way people treat you, you know, um, I go to, like, uh, all-you-can-eat buffet and that. I didn't even want to go out a second time because I felt like, oh, my God, people are looking at me, you know. And and it, it, it right. wasn't like as the blue, the way people look at you, and it's not like, you know, paranoia or anything. Because um, even when I lost a whole bunch of work, I hear people what they say now about larger people, you know, and to be treated differently. And now I ended up getting pneumonia and went down, way down like 113 pounds. And I'm trying to get weight back up, you know, and uh, right. I was so sick. And then everybody accused me of anorexia. And it's like, you have no idea, you know, and, and I just stopped feeling like I had to defend myself to everybody. And like, you don't know me. Yeah. You don't know what I'm going through. And their right. opinion does not matter to me. If they're going to be mean about things, their opinion doesn't matter to me. Why do I have to spend my life explaining myself and justifying why this or why that, you know? 
And I, I felt right. like I had to do that all the time, too, with the abuse. Well, the reason why I'm having anxiety is I have social anxiety. I can't go out. This is it. You know, I don't need to do that anymore. I don't have to explain myself. I don't have to let people know my diagnoses or my issues or my, you know, the reason why I'm under right. It's none of their business. You know, that's right. That's right. But, you know, when, when we're victimized so much, um, I don't know, it, it it's like we're almost having, you know, we have to defend ourselves, you know, to get any right. kind of good feeling, you know, and that's so sad. That just exactly. makes me want to cry. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've gotten to the point to where anytime somebody does that to me, I don't care. I just don't care yeah. anymore because as I've gotten older, mm-hmm. I've grown a thicker skin, and I yeah. just don't care what they think. I don't feel like I have to explain mm-hmm. myself to them because really it's a waste of time. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. Because they get their mindset. They're not sitting there to have a discussion. They're sitting there to judge you. No. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with people like that, you don't need to explain yourself to a bully. They're bullies, no. and you don't need to explain yourself to them. Right. You know, I've known, right. hold on just a minute. I've known people sure. that, uh, you know, spent their whole lives explaining themselves. And it's a waste of time yeah. because if you explain yourself, you know, they're not mm-hmm. going to believe you anyway. It's, understand that when people try to get you to explain yourself, it's just mm-hmm. another way, it's another power play. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I've known people. And I'm like starting to feel like we've got to explain ourselves for ourselves. You know, it's like you got to justify exactly. every little move you make, and then all of a sudden you're not making any moves. You know, because you're so afraid of making the wrong one. Right. And then you just and, and you, still. you know, <laughs> you shouldn't explain yourselves to people who mean very little to you, and that includes bullies and haters. You know, it's amazing how we waste so much of our time and energy caring about what others think of us, people whose opinions Mm -hmm. of us have absolutely no bearing on our lives whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I I figured that out a long time ago, and it's just a waste of my time. Yeah, we're giving them, you know, we're giving them uh, permission, like you said earlier, you know, um, to recognize that, that, you know, um, giving them permission to uh, continue to hurt us, and and not like you said, not like knowing or wanting or anything like that, but just not knowing how to take care of ourselves, not being ever taught that we could say no, you know, or or not answer exactly. them, or just walk away, you know. Not given the tools is is just really um, difficult, you know. And as we, you know, come to these you know, the discussions and stuff, um, we learn new tools and we learn new ways of dealing with, it, with things. And uh, that's this right. is not to blame anybody because shaming and blaming people is not going to bring about change. It's just going to bring about more pain. Right. And, and you know, we have to understand yeah. that there will always be people who judge you negatively without knowing you. It's just a part of life. Yeah. And those right. who say the most about you are usually the ones who know the least about you. 
So, ah, you know, what, you know, we should not place so much value on their opinions. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, we got Philip on the other now, line. Let me bring him on and uh, uh, him so, join in. Uh, hello, Philip. Sure. How are you doing? Thanks for joining me. Hello, it's Victoria, right? It's Victoria and Sheree. Hello, Sheree, Victoria. How are you guys doing tonight? Mm-hmm. Hello, Philip. Hello. Would you like to join in the conversation? Do you have any comments or anything um, else you would like to about? I'd like to talk, but I can't think of anything to say right now. Okay. Well, we'll keep you on the line if you want to just mute your mic, and then if you want, you can just jump in at any time. I'll just keep all the okay, mics open I, since there's just three of us. Thank you for And if you have any questions at all, feel free to ask. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have to leave at 5.45. Okay. Now, you know, if, if the person uh, understand that you may have family members that judge you too and they mean a lot to you, you know, and, and that's what's especially hard. Like you, you were telling me, Victoria, that when you – told your grandparents that you were going to quit drinking, they automatically assumed that you thought you were better than they were. And I know right. that must have hurt because they're family and they mean a lot to you. Yeah. Well, the one thing was when I went over there, it, was, it happened to be Thanksgiving, and, and I just kept trying to push liquor on me because they were alcoholics, you know, and, and trying to push right. liquor on me. And I said, no, you know, I'm not drinking, I'm not drinking. And finally, I just gave in. You know, because of the shame and uh, the bullying and, you know, manipulation. Right. Um, you know, gaslighting, all that stuff. And um, so the next year, um, when I did finally quit, I ended up um, taking my kids and not going to Thanksgiving here because their holiday was the same. Um, and I went to the AA club, and it was just like such a different atmosphere. Nobody was drinking. Everybody was having a good time. My kids weren't being, like, yelled at to go in the other room because the adults are busy, which was not drinking. <laughs> you know? Right. And on Christmas, open your presents, eat, you know, eat dinner, open your presents, and go in the other room because, you know, the parents are busy and not men drinking and, you know, talking stuff that so the kids shouldn't hear. your kids you know. actually got to be a part of the festivities. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And then I went, um, there was a family that kind of adopted us from church, and we went over a few days before Christmas to their house. Or no, we went on Christmas Day to their house, that's right. And uh, they gave them presents and everything, because they're opening presents. They they just started, you know, getting rambunctious and stuff. And I was really worried, because I'm used to my family. They're like, you know, sit down and be quiet and, you know, this and that. And I'm like, maybe you should sit down. And and the guy that was there is, you know, you know, the lady, older lady and older man, and he said, oh, let's have fun, you know, and it was just like, wow, I can't relax, do you know? <laughs> but I don't have to be, you know, monitoring them to, quote, be good. Right. And but, the kids' uh, parties at our house were, were drunken parties, you know, and I, I can remember even asking my sponsor, now I had been sober for a while, but I was remembering back to my eight-year birthday party when it was, you know, 
I got presents, and then the adults got drunk. You know, that's just the way it was. And, uh, right. you know, um, so I asked my sponsor, I said, how do you have an eight-year-old birthday party without booze? And she just looked at me, and I don't even know. It just came out of my mouth without me thinking, you know. And and because it, it was a memory of mine, you know. And and I was just baffled. <laughs> like, what do I do? You know, I had a, other parties, sober parties before for her birthday, you know, that I planned a birthday party. But all of a sudden, when she ate, it just something hit me that I just couldn't even, it was a block, you know. Right. And thank God right, I had a wonderful sponsor that never went, what's wrong with you, you know? She would just sit and talk things out with me and stuff, you know, because she knew a lot where I was coming from because she had been in, you know, she had a lot of similar situations that I did. And, and it, right. it didn't matter what came out of my mouth, she seemed to, you know, understand where I was coming from. Well, you know, that that's a good thing. It's It's always, we need... You know, confidence, confidants like that in our lives. Yeah. Because it helps to balance out, you know, confidants like that help to balance out the um, the good and the bad in our lives. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And I always say that she loved me before I could love myself, you know. And, oh, uh, that's um, sweet. You know, well, I was doing a lot of self-harm. I was, I was um, cutting and I was, you know, in and out of the sword because I was um, depressed and suicidal and all that kind of stuff. Wanted to die. I didn't want to kill myself. I just don't want to live in pain anymore. I mean, flashbacks, memories, and all that, you know. And, right. Uh, it didn't matter what. Um, she just, you know, I could call her up and tell her anything that was going on. And she was a supportive, you know. And I had right. her 33 years before she passed away, you know, for my sponsor. Oh, that sounds that sounds wonderful. Oh, yeah. I was one thing I wanted to say, you know, when it, you know, longing to be accepted, you know, that's human nature, and we're all hot, hardwired to desire human connection, whether it be with our families, right. our friends, you know, wherever that comes from. And naturally, it's good to value the opinions of our families, friends who love us and want best for us because their opinions of us are credible and we value their opinions of the healthy family members and friends who truly want what's best for us. But Mm -hmm. if it's a bully or a hater or a bullying family member, you know, even someone that that doesn't that doesn't love us per se, you know, mm-hmm. their opinions have no have no credibility, and they shouldn't matter at all. I know that's yeah. easier said than done, but their opinions mm-hmm. really shouldn't matter at all because these people add nothing to our lives; they only take away from them. Right. And, you know, people always say, yeah, when I started getting healthier, I had to get rid of certain people, you know. For me, I I ended up going to the ward and I ended up getting a lot of help and day treatment and therapy and all that. And uh, I didn't have to get those people out of my life. They left because, you know, they'd say, what's wrong with you? Why are you acting like that? And I said, because I'm getting healthier and I'm taking better care of myself and this and that. They left because 
they couldn't abuse me anymore, and they moved on. Somebody they could, you know. Right, because they could and, not. They could not you manipulate know. you anymore. Yeah. And and I felt really bad because they were out of my life, you know. But I did have to stay like away from my grandparents for a while, and I had to stay away from other people because I was having a hard time staying sober. You know, right? Uh, being around people who are actively drinking and, and trying to push it on me, and uh, I I was really physically ill that they weren't in my life, you know. But I also realized right. that when you get toxic people out of your life, you need more room to develop healthy people and healthy, I mean, healthy friendships and healthy relationships. Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. you may be alone for a little while, and yeah, it, it mm-hmm. may suck, but uh, mm-hmm. eventually, as you heal, better people, when, when it's mm-hmm. time, better people will come into your life because you will attract mm-hmm. them. You know, you right. you will be healthier. You know, you're healthier, right. and you know you put those vibes out, and it attracts people. It attracts the right and people you have, because you have be a, you've become the right you person. You have to be a good friend too. You got to be a exactly. good friend too. You know, exactly. to have a good friend. Mm-hmm. That's right. And some of us and, don't have to do that. You know? Uh huh. You can't be a good friend if you're unhealthy. But when you're healthy, you right. can be a good friend. And like I said, mm-hmm. people can sense that you you put off different vibes mm-hmm. than you did when you were sick, and you attract mm-hmm. better people. Because right. that's happened to me. Mhm, mhm. And it's scary too if someone's you know been nice to me. Um, it's scary me at first because you know my intention, my initial response was what you want for me because that's what I was used to. If anybody was nice to me, it meant you know I owe them, <laughs> you know. And and so it's really hard. It's it's a slow process, you know. Of uh, for me, it was a process of making friends at first because I right. was scared. I was scared of people. Right. Because I'd been hurt by people. Yeah, and with good reason. Right. 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 But you know, and you know, we so we we have to ask ourselves: Are the people who are of no benefit to us? Who whatsoever even worth the energy expenditure? I mean, should right. should what they think of us even matter? And do their meaningless mm-hmm. opinions have any bearing on our lives? Are they a superior yeah. at work or school? And mm-hmm. do they have the power to determine what happens to us? And most of the time, right. they don't. So yep. you know, because they they have no bearing on our lives, and they can't they don't have the power to determine what happens to us, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we should chalk their opinions, chalk their opinions, mm-hmm. and, you know, just chalk it up to a bunch of noise that needs to be muted because they aren't worthy of any ex- explanations or apologies. Yeah, well, I when I was in assisted living, I was being bullied by the staff there and the director and the people that owned it and everything else. And um, it was really hard because I didn't quote total line, you know, I was going to get kicked out. But, you know, right. I keep, especially with telling me that I didn't have my service dog and, you know, um, you know, get that dog out of here kind of thing. And I, you know, had to keep getting support from other people outside of there um, and knew in my heart that it was my right to have him, you know. 
Right. And so even though somebody does have, you know, like power over what's going to happen to you, um, you know, don't let that um, keep you down. You know, you don't have to stand or somebody's stuff. Get support from people that know what's going on and know and support you. Because there are people right. out there that know more about, say, the law or the rules or you know, or healthy relationships or, you know, you can be in a lot of, like a work environment or something, you know, just, you know, like, like your supervisor, go above them, you know, and, and you know, um, because like you said, we deserve better, you know. Exactly. Whether we believe it or not, we do. So you got to keep telling yourself, I deserve better. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, I was saying a while ago, bullies don't care what your reasons are. The only reason they they try to blame you for something or to try to bait you into explaining yourself, it's the psychological mm-hmm. payoff they get from it. And and the psychological payoff that people get from playing those games are satisfaction, gratification, and a massive rush of power. You know, while you're standing there raising, wasting your breath trying to convince the bully that you aren't guilty of what it, whatever it is that they are accusing you or attacking you for, the bullies are mentally smirking and patting themselves and each other on the backs over how easily they got you to react. And how easily they can scare you and make you nervous and get you all up in arms. You know, some things just don't need an explanation. Think of all the energy it takes you as as being victimized. All that energy that you could be putting into doing something positive life. You You ain't kidding. I had a gal, I was being bullied really bad. And I had one gal that came out and she just happened to friend me. And I didn't know why or anything. But she was really nice to me and kind of bored me. But she said, um, kill him with kindness. And I said, what are you talking about? She said, well, if I say something mean to you, comment, oh, you really get a nice nice outfit there. I hope you're having a wonderful day. You know, and I started doing that, and it wasn't fun for them anymore. <laughs> yep. I know. Uh, there were, uh, I, I just quit my job recently, and, uh, I, you know, the the client, loved me to death because I did everything for her, but her family was jealous of me because of the, you know, the because my client liked me. So it made her family jealous. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they would, they would pop off a few smart remarks and I just look at them like, Mm -hmm. oh, you're so sweet. And that Mm -hmm. would really make them mad. Then it finally came to a head and you know, I thought they were going to attack me, so I left, and I ended up quitting my job. And I'm thinking, you know what, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to start working at home. I'm going to monetize my blog, mm-hmm. and, and I'm mm-hmm. going to work for myself. So mm-hmm. I, I well, am working on that now. Okay, so have you started the blog? I mean, is there a way to find this, or um, are you in the process of getting it going, or where are you at with that? Oh well, it's it's been going. I just went self-hosted. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll give okay. you, I'll I'll give you the link mm-hmm. to the new self-hosted blog. Uh, yeah. It's it's dot com. Oh great. 
And you want to spell Cherie and write for people? Yes, C-H-E-R-I-E, W-H-I-T-E, author in front of it, as in book author. Right. So it's www.authorchereewhite.com. It's all lowercase. No yeah. spaces. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's wonderful. So you've written uh, three books. You want yeah, to? Um, well, this type. this my blog. I imported all of my old posts over to my new blog, and oh, nice. but uh, I'm writing new stuff now because I took a long hiatus. Mm-hmm. Because you know I had worked. I mean, I was nose to the grindstone on the blog for seven ye- for six years, and oh, wow. I wore myself out. So I had sure. I had to take a long hiatus, knowing that that uh, I would be back. And you know, I wore myself out. I went into writer's block, so I had to take a rest. But yeah, uh, we often can burn out burn out if we push ourselves. You know, push, push right, push. and I did. And also, but now, you know, like you said, you get a writer's block, or you get, you know, um, you know, to try it one or other things and stuff too. And you know, totally mean a bad thing, you know, because we can do more than one thing. Right. But now I'm back to writing two posts a week, and mm-hmm. you know, before before my hiatus i was writing three and four posts a a day and that's too much so i'm down to two posts a week i'm Mm -hmm. i'm doing two posts a week and Mm -hmm. that's plenty you know it gives me time to it, it gives me more time to spend with my family and to you know do what i need to do around the house and the yard uh, not that I wasn't yeah. already doing it, but I was just, when I was doing three posts mm-hmm. a day, you know, mm-hmm. I was I was always Going pressed for time. Ragged. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I ran myself yeah. ragged, and it, I, I had to stop for a while. Mm-hmm. And I took yeah. my hiatus, and then when I came uh-huh. back, I just like, I'm going to do two posts a week. That's it. Mm-hmm. And manage my time better. Right. And for me, it took a lot of work to figure out how to take care of myself, you know, because I was wow. either just like couldn't get out of bed or I was running myself ragged, you know, and, and there was no middle point. <laughs> you know, I go from one Absolutely. to the other. It's like, you know, this real black and white thinking of, you know, I got to do everything or I can't do anything. You know? <laughs> But it was. Right. I was just totally overwhelmed and uh, didn't really know what direction I was going and felt like I was being pulled in all directions. And, um, you know, I wasn't eating. I wasn't taking care of myself. And just, you know, to take things in moderation and uh, give myself realistic, you know, goals because I had these such high goals that I couldn't achieve them and I was always, like, literally beating myself up, you know, about right. What. And I wasn't achieving, you know, these unrealistic goals. 
But, right. but to say, you know, this is what I'm doing, you know, if I do a little bit more than that, that's okay. But um, taking these bite-sized pieces, you know, and uh, um, that's how you make progress is, you know. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've got puppies. Oh, when were they born? Um, two weeks ago. Oh, what breed are they? They just open their eyes. I've got my little boy, who's my service dog, is a Bashan, and then I get a little girl who is also Bashan. And um, we weren't going to have. I I had gotten her so that I could breed breed them. But um, mm-hmm. I hadn't planned on having her have the puppy so soon because she's only nine months when, when she got pregnant. And um, I didn't want her to, you know, because they say you should you usually wait till you're old. But um, he got at her. <laughs> he figured out. See, I get to watch him with the Velcro diaper on. <laughs> but anyway, um, I was in the house sitting on the couch and they were outside and all of a sudden I hear this crying, you know. And, and it was my male dog, and I'm like, oh, my God, what's wrong with him? And I walked out there, and they were hooked up, and she was laying down on her side, and they were hooked up. He was looking down at it crying. <laughs> oh. And I was like, oh, my God, yeah. He's like, you yeah. How sweet. I know. He's really sweetheart. And everyone's like, oh, don't let him hear the puppies. I'll eat them. I was told. You know, but he goes over there and looks in at him and walks away. He's not really that interested. Probably will be when, you know, they get a little bit bigger. And and uh, they said, you know, she might not take care of him because she's young. But um, she'd been doing a really good job. And she wasn't, last couple of days, she hasn't been really interested because she's been going outside here in the yard. Um, I have to carry down the yard after she can't make it down the steps. But, uh, um, she hadn't been real interested, so I started giving her treats after she pet them. <laughs> and now she's right, you know, <laughs> triple time than she usually was before. <laughs> right, she was, you know, because they weren't. We went for a couple days, and uh, they had eaten the weight because she didn't want to go in there. Right, you know. So I'm trying you know, to find a male cat to breed. I'm trying mm-hmm. to find a male cat to breed my female cat with because I want kittens. Oh. What kind of cat do you have? Uh, is she, certain... she is a solid black cat, so we so we named her Sable. Oh. She's a oh. solid black cat and beautiful. Mm-hmm. She's our little Halloween cat. Oh. Yeah, my mom had a black and white cat, and then she was breeding black and white border collars. And she had five border collies, four girls and a boy. Because you can have uh-huh. two boys, so they'll attack each for the girls. But anyway, um, she had this black and white cat, and when I first went to live with her, I was sitting there, and, and the cat was just sitting at the doorway. I couldn't figure where the dogs were. And my mom goes, just walk over there. So I walked over there, and the cat's at the doorway, and I go over to the right, and all the dogs are sitting there. She goes, she's got the dogs trained. Well, 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, animals animals are the best therapy there is, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well people ask me, you know, um, did you have to have your dog trained? I go, No. Um, matter of fact, you know, just to let people know that if you have PTSD you qualify to get a service animal, not an emotional support animal, and you have more rights. And if you look at under the Americans with Disabilities Act, um, it says your only qualification is that um, your, your um, service dog is, or your service animal, which is a dog, um, has to be there to um, comfort you when you have an anxiety or panic attack. That's it. You know, so they don't need wow. to be trained because animals pick up on, you know, like I'll be on a Zoom, I was on a Zoom park group and I was on there and I would just start feeling emotionally. I didn't have to be crying or real upset or anything. Start feeling it in my body and he would jump up my shoulder, scratching on my shoulder and kissing me. Absolutely. And I didn't teach him to do that. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, but when wow. I was living at a sister's wedding and I was so stressed out, I would back up in the apartment with him and just say, oh, they're so mean, and I got to get out of here. And, you know, you could sit and talk to them, <laughs> you know. And, and yeah, right. I felt supported, unconditional love. And, you know, um, you know, I was taking out all the for walk because I was so afraid that he'd go to the bathroom in there. And uh, I, I had fight, fight, fight the whole time I was there, um, all two years. And every day they'd be screaming and yelling at me, and I had to get this liability. And they had so many violations, health violations, health code violations. But um, uh, health department won't in because um, of COVID. And Hello? so there was no way to get that dealt with. So I called the um, disability law. Well, first of all, I called the Minnesota um, Law Project, and they gave a disability training. I'm never going to get them back, you know. And uh, right. my daughter watched it until it turned out. And I called that, and the next day I got a phone call, and the woman said, I'm your attorney. Send me your lease, send me this, send me that, send me that. And I, I did that all. And um, she sent, you know, she sent a letter to them. And then they were going to have them down in the bedroom. Get that dog out of here. And I had told them three oh, months man. before I even got him. That I was in a service animal. I had a letter from a psychiatrist. And uh, anyway, they go, oh, you want to get a dog? And I go, no, I'm getting a service animal. She's like, well, who's going to take care of it? I said, well, I am. She goes, you can take care of yourself. And I go, well, that's why I need a service animal. I just went back up to my apartment. But it was that was the attitude the whole way, you know. And I was going down with my meds, and they were screaming at me, get the dog out of there, and I had no right, this or that. And I tried to quote, because I go, I got all the papers upstairs with my rights are. I didn't want to see your goddamn papers. You know, so I ended up calling the attorney general because apparently I could do lots of things. So the first thing that I need to do is make a complaint with the health department, department of health and human services, you know, right. and, and then go from there. So that's what I'm in the process of, and um, it's it's a lot because I've been out of there for quite a while now, but it's just taken me so long. I've got like a all the facts and everything, 
But as I'm writing this stuff down, I'm starting to have emotions that I stuffed the whole time I was there. Right. Are coming back up, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm so sorry they put you through that. I mean, that should be illegal. They should be in jail for that. Yeah. Well, they've got that and a whole bunch of other stuff. Well, you know, my daughter, when she got me in there, they said, oh, yeah, you got home-cooked meals a day. And they got this beautiful menu up the wall. And, you know, um, for breakfast, they got eggs and and toast and, you know, this and that. And, uh, or pancakes or waffles, whatever, you know, and meat. And um, anyway, it ended up being cereal and milk, and that was it. And then they have these wonderful home-cooked meals for lunch and dinner. We'd end up getting, like, a hot uh, a corn dog and, like, you know, um, five French fries. Or salad was just lettuce cut up, you know, and, and hamburger was just a hamburger on a bun that was usually burnt and nothing else right. except cut, ketchup and mustard and about eight fries or eight potato chips. And and my wow. doctor wrote two letters that I needed a nutritious meal because I was losing weight, you know. And you know what their response was? Uh, we're not cooking special with you. <laughs> right. Yeah, no. And wow. I couldn't get, you know, I called, my worker told her, and she called them up, and, and they told them that I'm a liar, and um, yeah, that I'm a liar, and that, um, um, so then after I called her, or my worker, and she called them, they, they called uh, the um, director says, come in my office. So I go in the office, she goes, sit down. I go, I'll just stand here, what do you want? And she would sit down. And constantly threatening to kick me out because I wouldn't, like, do what they said, you know. Are you suing and, these uh, people? Anyway, because they, they, so that place I, needs to be suing the, sued in the ground. Yeah. So then I sat down and, and she says, listen, we're going on here stage here. You come to me, you've got any problems. Don't you be calling your workers? And I just said, whatever. Are you done? And she goes, yeah. You heard what I said, right? And I go, oh, I heard what you said. And so I walked up and called my worker. <laughs> told her what you said, you know. And she goes, that's why you have workers. Well, they're telling all of the people that live there, don't tell any of your workers. And, and you know, like because like I, I know they're breaking earlier, rules. So, yeah, yeah. And they, they were, know they're breaking the law. Without my inhaler. I went five days without my inhaler. I went almost a week without my um, um, anxiety meds. And I couldn't call. I knew who they got their prescriptions through, so I called them. And uh, so we sent them a week ago. And I kept asking the nurse. They we didn't get them. We didn't get them. And I found out I sent them a week ago. And I sat in her office and insisted that they had them. And so she went and checked up the backup closet. She thought they were there. They hadn't ordered my inhaler for five days, and I mean, I couldn't really breathe. That's neglect. I up in the hospital. So that's why the um, attorney, or yeah, attorney general, I think it is, um, told me to make the complaint first to the health department because that's not the only violation. And they're getting caddy waiver money from the federal government to provide these things. And there was no activities which it was supposed to be. They're supposed to take you out on outings. They never did. Um, they wouldn't take my service dog, and we had to go over and get vaccines at another building that they had, 
And I said, I'm bringing my sports dog with. You're not bringing that dog in a vehicle. And I said, I will go to Mary's with this dog. And then I said, they couldn't come up and clean my apartment because the dog, people are allergic to it. And I said, first of all, he's hyper dog. And second of all, uh, you know, I have the right to get my apartment clean. you got to find somebody. And that was near the end. And I just said, forget it. I'll clean my own apartment because I just was so freaking tired of fighting about every little thing. You know? Right. Exhausted. And I was suicidal like five times in there, but I never called for help or tell anybody because I was afraid if I went to the psych ward, who was going to watch my you know, service animal and I might need, lose my holding. Right. And at least I had a roof over my head, you know. So it was, uh, it no, was no, yeah, it was you, you said you're living with your daughter now, right? No, my son got me a house. I'm living with my former husband. Um, oh, my okay. Son, uh, yeah, and uh, my son got us a house. He's in California, and um, he heard about, you know, I had put on Facebook, giving away all my stuff. Don't ever do that. If, well, it did work out in the long run. But, you know, my daughter was a dual dependency counselor and was then ended up being the director of this huge program out here. So straight on her, um, Mom, are you okay? I'm worried about you. And so in my mind, I just think, oh, I'll just build it up. He's marching and everything will be okay. <laughs> well, I tried to get a hold of him for three days, and I wouldn't ask the messenger or the phone or nothing. And so anyway, I finally did. And my son said, Mom, they're in uh, investing property in Minnesota. I was wondering if he would live there. And I said, oh, that'd be wonderful. I go, thank you live with Dad. And I think about it a few minutes ago. Yeah, I guess it was bad. You know, because we're friends. We've always been friends. Um, there was no right. horrible breakup or anything. That was just kind of we went our own ways, you know. But um, Right. Well, anyway, you know, he helps me and I help him. And he drives and I don't. And, you know, um, he's been helping out with the with the dogs and everything. And, you know, we both have our strengths and weaknesses, you know. So we've worked things out. And, uh, you know, our kids are happy, too, because um, he had had brain surgery and stuff, so he's got some issues, and I've got some issues, obviously. Um, you know, we both got things we're dealing with, and we can support each other. And our kids aren't so worried about either one of us, because he was living at my daughter's house in a tiny little room, and I was living that right. horrible assisted living. And I wasn't telling my kids how horrible it was, because I didn't get to talk to them that much, and I didn't want to spend my time bitching about where I was living at because they really didn't know what to do. You know, my daughter yeah. really thought she got me in a good place because she went and interviewed them. And they gave her all these freaking lines. Well, they get paid by the federal government. So they were, they're in violation of everything. Oh, and no matter wonder fact, that place. Mm-hmm. No uh, wonder that they were so horrible to you and that place was mm-hmm. such a toxic place for you to live in. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I lived there over two years, you know, and uh, they, you know, after um, they weren't going to renew my lease because she goes, if I'd known you're going to have a dog when you moved in here, you never moved in in the first place. I said, you can't kick me out because I have a service animal. It's against the law. Right. So a few days later, they come up and say, you can't live here because you don't qualify for our services. So I called my worker and she goes, obviously you do because we're paying for them you to be there. 
And I called my daughter. She goes, you got the owner's number. And I go, yeah. So she calls him up and says, you can't kick my mom out because of COVID. You know, they had that restriction where you couldn't kick anybody out. Well, the next year they tried, they wouldn't renew my lease. So my daughter calls him up and she goes, my mom said last year that you were going to kick her out because she didn't qualify for your services. And they said, yep, that's right. And so my daughter goes, pulls us out of her back pocket. Oh, well, my mom said you don't qualify for your services. You mean you've been getting federal caddy waiver money for a year and my mom don't qualify for your services? <laughs> well, that shot him up right there, you know. And, right. And so we're trying to get my mom a place to live. Can you just let her live there until we find a place? And so they only would do a month-to-month leave, which was actually good because I didn't have to stay in there a whole year, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just horrible. And I just don't know, you know, how to like write this letter with all these, all these violations, you know. Right. You know, and it's overwhelming. It's totally overwhelming to try to. Right. It's like you're having to relive it. Yes. And then to try to try to convince a judge of how bad it was, but not being hysterical, you know, <laughs> but getting the facts out, you know. So anyway, I found I went down to um, the courthouse, and they gave me a thing on how to file a, a civil suit because they violated my disability rights, my human rights, and my civil rights by the owner coming in with the director and another staff screaming at me and threatening me, get that dang dog out of here. This is my property. You know, you can't have that dog in here. And just, I mean, it was just horrible. I was being screamed at and yelled at all the time. And, you know, um, yeah, he was, you know, being yelled at. One of the staff almost kicked him in the head. But, you know, how can I prove all this? Right. You know, do I have to have witnesses or just the fact that, you know, I'm traumatized. And, like, I'm, you know, I got my therapist down, my psychiatrist that know about this. And what I'm trying to do. And uh, anyway, um, they're backing me up 100%, you know, because they can tell the trauma I have. Right. Lord, that just. But I've been out of there almost two years, and I'm hoping I didn't wait too long. Right. Regardless of the outcome of that. Um, there's because I went and visited one lady, um, she had to get a job, um, because she wasn't getting enough food, obviously. So she had to get a job so she could get a microwave because they wouldn't let us use the ovens and, um, get a microwave and buy food because we only got 104 a month. And I was supplementing and taking my 104 a month and going to the military buying some extra food. Those stars. Right. You know? And, yeah, and, I can't even you know, imagine. I year and I had a special diet, and you know, and then to have to have a doctor wait, you know, you need a nutritious meal, and there was chance, you know. Uh huh. I can't even ma- imagine the the hell you you lived through. Gosh, mm-hmm. I just it was over two years. I lived there. Two years of putting up with that garbage. Mm-hmm. I just. Ooh, mm-hmm. I can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm glad that you, 
I'm glad that you uh, that you got out of there mm-hmm. because it you know it's plain to see that 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 place was toxic. Definitely. So I'm glad Definitely. you got out of so there. Like I was saying earlier, you know, um, you know, even though they they could you know kick me out and kept threatening to kick me out if I kept standing up for myself, but nobody else was sick of them. You know, they just right. did all their own stuff, you know, and then they do my laundry, and they didn't want to do my laundry, so they put it in a laundry basket and just jam it in there, you know, so it all got wrinkled. So I said, fine, it's not going to do anything with my laundry or tell me when it's coming out of the dryer so I can fold it and hang it at least so it's not all wrinkled, cold and wrinkled. I said, I'll just put it back right. in the laundry for next week, you know, and so they kept getting more and more laundry, <laughs> you know. Huh. They got enough clothes to deal with it. Right. But yeah, it was just, it was horrible. So now I'm going to therapy to like unwind from all that. And I've never had a house or I've never had to deal with, you know, like a gas bill and managing my money and having a yard and a house to take care of and this and that, you know. So, so I'm going through all that. I've got services in my home. I'm getting better, better service in my home than I was in there. And they're supposed to be, you know, supposed to be a living for vulnerable adults. Well, they know you're vulnerable right. and take advantage. Right. You know, it's not like they better said all the clients are calling because all these places know that the health department can come in and check up on them. So all these places are going to help because they know they can still collect the money. Right. You know, but they were going to hell before COVID. <laughs> you know, it's and you know, right? Yeah, that really, woo, that that really just blows me away. Just how cruel people in that industry can be. You know, it, it and it's yeah. better to have services inside your own home than to be stuck in a nursing yeah. home because I've worked in a nursing yeah. home before and those places right. are horrible. They're bad. They're just awful. And then the ones that really and care about you, like there was one lady that really cared about us and she went toe to toe all the time with the director. But, you know, if they've seen you um, dropping the meds on the floor and if they've seen the nurse not putting them in the boxes and you just taking them out of the containers, um, it's like to be shut down with the health violations and that and everything else and the food and she kept going toe-to-toe with the director. One day she goes, I'm just going to quit. And they go, please don't quit. I said, that's a problem. The good people quit. And we're stuck with the people that don't give a shit. You know? Right. And so when I moved out, I go, oh, quit. And when she goes, what? I said, remember when you were going to quit? I said, matter of fact, before I leave, just tell them that you're you're the one that made me uh, leave and uh, you want a bonus. <laughs> Oh, right. It was you. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, yeah. But she ended up getting COVID, and the and the director told everybody, and all the residents and staff that she had COVID. She didn't get her shots. And then when she came back, and she ended up going to the hospital again, and she told all of us. And then they would stand her with the phone and talk about people's diagnosis to their psychiatrists, to their doctors, just all the information, you know, uh, right out while everybody's having meals and stuff, they would just talk to the doctors and total, no confidentiality right. whatsoever. They'd leave the door open in the med room and 
staff and residents are walking in and out. So it's like I was trying to get all this written down in a, you know, in a way that is to make sense. I feel like I'm all over the place. I mean, you can hear it when right. I'm telling you about it. I feel like I'm all over the place. So I went to my Ooh. therapist last last week, and uh, she helped me, you know, get a lot of it written down. I kind of talked through it and wrote it down as, you know, I was, you know, telling her about it and stuff. To just make the report to the health department. Right. And I asked Gail, I said, they still got those beautiful meds on the wall? Oh, yeah. Are they serving any of it? She goes, well, they're still serving the small shit, you know. Right. So I can't eat that. You know, I can't eat that food, she said. I completely and understand. You know, I'm in the health department and go over there and see it's not in the refrigerator. When I first moved, I'm like, why aren't we getting what's on the menu? They said, well, the truck didn't come in. And well, apparently the truck didn't come in for over a year. <laughs> and all I could think is there's a grocery store down the street like when I first moved in, and then I just realized that they're just collecting money because we're going on vacations with dime for the country. And we're driving fancy cars. Well, yeah, because they weren't using any money for activities or taking us shopping or, you know, feeding us right. the meals that they got the wall that they're getting paid for. Mm-hmm. They're not hiring the nurse to come in and put the meds in or they're, you know, that one stuff on that's not adequate enough. Who bitching about right. cooking? Corn dogs and, you know, french fries. And then they'd come in with their great big bowls of food and sit in the office while you're going in to get near get your meals before you get lunch. You know? And and you know right. you're not gonna get nothing. Exactly. And then I, and then I went so I went to the government center and got the paperwork and stuff for doing a civil case. And it just was like so freaking overwhelming. It's like, how do I convince a judge that all these things really happened and are happening? And so that's why I called the attorney general. And he said, first of all, you make a report to the health department. So, uh, what is the status on that case? Are you still, um, uh, you may have to document it. Well, I know. Write down what you remember. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to do. And, and this one staff that I told you, she's still there. And um, um, she's the one that would, like, go toe-to-toe with the director. And, um, you know, um, right. the, the director is the one we had most friends with. But the owner, my daughter had to go twice that they were kicking her out. Right. We you know, and I even had one worker that came in. You know, and they told her I was a liar, too. And the caddy worker I had again was she's not even working there anymore. So, you know, she can't even verify a call over, you know, three times a week. Right. Out. Well, I mean, if you if if your attorney is worth his salt, he will track her down. I don't have an attorney. He will, I don't have an attorney. I can't find an attorney that even understands what I'm going through. They keep asking me if I'm blind. Yeah, <laughs> they got a service. They don't even know the law. And I, maybe I can do it maybe you need to change. 
sometimes if you change the term from bullying to uh, nursing home abuse and neglect, which is what it sounds like to me, then you might get an attorney to pay more attention. Yeah. Well, anyway, I found out that um, I can file my own civil case. I just don't know even how much to ask for because how do you determine, you know, it's not like I went to the doctor or like my psychiatrist is not getting paid because I'm on the county, you know, um, uh, insurance, so all my stuff gets paid. But, you know, the emotional damage. But um, anyway, I can meet with a free attorney that will give me guidance on doing my own civil case. Um, I got to go down to the government center like at 8.30 in the morning on either Tuesday or Thursday morning. So I'm going to go next mm-hmm. week. And by the Friday, I'm going to try to get the, the um, health department um, filed because I got pretty much right. everything written down. Uh, so one thing I meant to tell you. Possible, you know. Uh-huh. Right. One thing I meant to tell you is a lot of these civil mm-hmm. attorneys, some of them are mm-hmm. pro bono. We, and yeah. that means that uh, they don't get paid unless you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them take twenty five percent of of your settlement, yeah. and some of them take thirty three point three three percent of your settlement. Yeah. Well, so you can always go that route too. I'm just I'm gonna just do it myself. And you know if it doesn't go anywhere, it doesn't go anywhere. But at least I. Did my best, you know. Right. And then if you get, um, because American Disabilities Act um, will back you up um, if there are any violations. And there's obviously a violation um, because um, we uh, tried to kick me out over having my service animal. And I have plenty of people that, that can, you know, vouch for that. And well, well they discriminated against you yeah. because you had a service dog. Right. So that's right. a form of disability and, yep. discrimination right there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then them screaming at me and threatening me and everything else in my apartment, um, mm. you know, is um, um, civil and human rights violations. Right. And verbal abuse. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yep. I mean, you've got them on so many charges. Yeah. I don't understand why an attorney wouldn't take that. I don't know. Probably because because I if really I was an attorney, I would I would snatch that up in a minute. That's yeah. nursing home yeah. abuse. Yeah. Well, it's assisted living. So you know they got nursing home abuse attorneys on the phone, and I've tried to on the TV, and I've tried to call them, and they have no idea what I'm even talking about. Well, you know, it, you know, you you've been very traumatized about this, and any time you're traumatized mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. you know, when we're traumatized, we have a tendency to ramble, and right. understand it doesn't make you a bad person. It does not make mm-hmm. you a bad person. It doesn't make that's you a why dumb I'm person. To back but that's the, I don't want to go in front of a judge or attorney and just be rambling or be totally emotional over it. I want to do it in. You know what I mean? Present right. myself well. Right. But trauma does that to you. You know, trauma, you know, when you're traumatized like that, you do have a tendency to ramble. And, uh, right. but that's the trauma. Yeah. That That's the trauma. That's not your fault. Mm-hmm. The rambling is yeah. a sign of the trauma that you experience. Right. 
And I've been doing that in therapy. So my therapist is documenting, so is my psychiatrist, of what, you know, is coming out of this. And they already told me that they would back me up, like, you know, letting them know how hard this has been for me even to get it down, you know, and um, just just because it's taken so long to do it, you know. And, and Have you told your son about this? They both know. Both my kids know. But they, they're like, Mother, just you're out of there now. Just go on with your life and just forget it. You know, and there's times I just think I should. But oh. on the other hand, there's still people living there. And not only that, like if you file a claim for Americans with Disability Act and you win, they put it on their website and tell, what, tell people what, what you did and what the claim is and all that. And so it's not only helping me, but it's going to help other people that have gone through it or that are going to go through it, I mean. Right. That's the other reason that's really pushing me is, you know, there's people still living there. And everybody's like, well, don't do anything because they'll get kicked out. They'll be homeless. And I said, they have to have insurance to relocate people if they get shut down. Right. Oh. I am so and sorry I got you went through that. that. If I get all this written down, that, that she would type it up for me because she's really good at organizing, you know, organizing. Right. Stuff. Yeah, you, you, your daughter should type that up because she might be no, able my to friend type it gonna, up. My friend is going to, my daughter just, she's too busy. She's got so many things she's doing, so does my son. And they oh, just want you're, me to you're who now? I'm sorry. I thought you said your daughter. This is, this is my girl. One of my girlfriends is going to type it up. Oh, okay. Well, she might be yeah. able to type it up and word it in a way that it gets more mm-hmm. uh, attention. Mm-hmm. She may yep. be able to do it in a way that's that's concise. That's that's mm-hmm. um. Oh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? It it's the layout is uh. It's organized. Yeah. Right. And and I got a lot better and clearer on that when I when I talked to my or my therapist last week. She sat down with right. me and you know, we went point by point by point. So I got it a lot better than it was before. And uh so I had given her the one time and then she had left spaces in the last one that she wrote up faces like I didn't know the director's name and I didn't know the owner's name and this and that. She right. left faces and then put things that I was missing and stuff, you know. And and right. so I got so, all that information for this time, you know. So she was she was also filling in the blanks. Yeah. Or asked me to fill in the blanks, yeah. Right. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you. I'm so glad that you got support, that mm-hmm. you've got uh, people who support you in this, mm-hmm. and hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, these people will be held accountable for what what they did to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if they're not held accountable for what they did mm-hmm. to you, they're going to keep doing it. They're going to do it to somebody else. Because you, yeah. you can and best been, believe you that know. you aren't the only one that they've abused and neglected yeah. like that. There are other. Well, the fact is they're not feeding anybody. They're giving everybody the same food. They're doing the medications with everybody, you know. Right. Um, all that is still still happening. They're not doing the activities. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing that they're getting paid by the federal government to do. Right. 
They get a lot of money to run these places. Oh, yeah. I mean, they got 10 people in there. 10 people? Yeah. Uh, 10 residents or 10 workers? 10 residents. Residents and usually one worker and one worker. Ooh, one or Lord. two in the nursery shows up. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh, they're they're understaffed. They got to do the meds and cook at the same time, you know. <laughs> and right. you know, it's like if you got problems with working here, why don't you talk to your boss instead of bitching when somebody's in there trying to get their meds, you know, or they're watching YouTube. And you're interrupting your YouTube video. <laughs> Lordy, mercy me. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm surprised that place is still running. I mean, it, it just... Because everybody's I mean, blows me away. Don't tell anybody. And then if you do tell your family and they come in and try to check, they just say, this person's crazy. We're trying to get her help. And um, we'll try to get her meds adjusted. We don't even know what she's talking about. I had a friend that tried to, you know, tried to say something, and they went to their family and, and totally blackballed them, you know. Right. Bullying. All about, exactly. you know, they treated everybody like they were four-year-olds. Right. And that's wrong. I mean. And the ones that couldn't do their own affairs. Did I mean when I first went in there this was to make my doctor appointments? They made three appointments, and then they gave me the wrong information and set up the rides wrong. And so I did all this doing myself. Okay, that's another thing they didn't have to do because it just screwed it up, right. you know. Gosh, I don't know. I guess I'm speak. I'm so shocked. I'm speechless because mm-hmm. holy moly. Mm-hmm. What the the stuff they are doing is just it, it's so illegal it's not even funny. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm. And and the people that are in there are scared to tell anybody. Right. Or they don't. Or they're so vulnerable they don't even know that they're not getting all their meds or they don't know that you know what the right. meds are. Right. Absolutely. I mean that's always possible too. I still am a blue you know. And they take advantage of that. Yes, they do. Because they're real and in the money. Yeah. Right. That's all they care about. I mean, they can just get shut down just for the one thing, which is not feeding what they're getting on the menu. Oh, my Lord, my Lord. And they were, you know, showing my daughter, and all I got to do is go over there and look at the menu and look what's in the refrigerator. And they can tell, right. you know, that they don't have the right food. They got corn dogs and, you know, a thing of lettuce. And if I couldn't get the food because I've got irritable balls and I can't eat nothing with pepper or tomato sauce cooked and all this, I can't eat pizza while I make it, you know, gas pizza. Right. And this and that, they would be too hard to build eggs. That was it. Right. Absolutely. Spaghetti. Couldn't eat it. I said, can you separate and not put the sauce on? I'll just have the spaghetti. We're not cooking special for you. <laughs> right. Mm. How special is that? Now put some sauce on. <laughs> you know. It's just another yeah. tactic, you know. 
Yeah. Ooh, I don't know. And then and then the the owner's son worked there, and he goes, I don't know why they're always complaining all the time. He goes, you know, I'm just saying nothing nice about it. I said, well, if I didn't have to complain about all these things, I said I'd have time to say something nice. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because I don't mm-hmm. even get my basic needs met. No, it, I had a roof over my head and I had my clothes. Thank God I, you know, brought them with me. <laughs> yeah. But as far as being treated humanly, no. Or humanely or however you want to say it. I understand. Well, we still oh, got, well, I'm, um, I don't understand still because I've never been through it. But I yeah, can only imagine. Yeah, let's back on and see if he's got Hello there, Philip. Are you still on? Uh, this is who do we have Phillip. on the line? This is Karen. This is, this is, oh, this is I'm sorry. Hi, Karen. Oh, I see that you called in. I'm sorry. Um, oh, don't be did you sorry. Want it's to, all right. Uh, or comments? Pardon me? Did you have any comments or did you want to um, talk about anything tonight? Well, I, I've been... I've been Trying to follow it, and earlier I heard, I think you say something about if you heal, you'll attract different people, or the more you heal, you'll attract mm-hmm. different people, and that's really the quandary I'm in. It's it seems I've spent a lot of years in recovery, and um, still seem to be having the same pattern. Mm-hmm. I just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess just keep when, trying. When you but, say in recovery, you know, are you really... talking about? Mm-hmm. What? Oh, when you said you've been in recovery for a long time, are you talking therapy or are you talking about a a certain program or? Child, child abuse recovery of all, uh, every description. Wow. Yeah, it does. It takes a long time to heal. And that's why we're yes, here. Yes, it does. But you've done the first step, you know, um, calling in is, is very important. Um, talking about it. Um, we have um, we have resource numbers on uh, the NISCA website. Uh, we have 42 programs on there, actually. And we've got um, resources by um, state and by city um, on the NISCA website. I'm the Minnesota ambassador, and this is Victoria Kelly, and I'm in Minnesota, of course. And um, my phone number's on there as well. And uh, anybody, you can call any of the people that are on that list because that's why we put our names on there. But I would uh, encourage you to reach out to other survivors, um, especially we call it the NASCA family, um, because, like, for me, I had to, you know, um, I was born into a family, but that wasn't my choice. And NASCA, you to pick my own family, which is NASCA. And, uh, but I encourage you to um, reach out, call into the show. Um, there are the people that understand, you know, uh, that have been there. And uh, we really care about you. And like I said, the first step is, you know, um, saying, hey, it's happened to me, you know. And uh, the next is finding people that you can feel safe with telling your story and talking about what happened to you. 
and uh, kind of what we do here. We kind of got off on a tangent. I didn't even see that the numbers had changed. I thought it was still our other caller. So I apologize. And uh, we have shows uh, Monday through Friday night. Uh, time. Uh, I don't know what time zone you're on, but 7 to 8.30 my time central. And we've got like um, a six minutes left. So if you have any questions for Shuri, and she was talking about uh, bowling, but if you have any other questions that, you know, you have to ask, and then um, please call um, one of us if you'd like to talk some more. Bullying, she was talking about? Yeah, but we you don't have to talk about bullying. You can talk about anything you need. But I just want to say, too, that uh, a lot of people that um, that have been, you know, in therapy it's for a long time um, in, in counseling, it doesn't mean that their, you know, their needs are being met or they're at the right point in their life to make, you know, changes. Because... The fact is, is that you survived what you survived, and uh, that's a miracle in itself that you're that you're back exactly. here. And we just want to say that we're really glad that you called, in, um, because it's really important that um, we we are here for people, you know, that that want help and that want you know to make changes in their lives, and it you know it's takes a lot of risk taking and it takes a lot of education and uh all you know i've been i've been doing this since i'm 20 i was 21 i started therapy and i'm 61 and i'm still still learning you know everybody goes are you healed yet and i said i'll be healing until i take my last breath <laughs> you know that's why i feel like i want to continue to feel better uh our, i wanted to ask a question um, sure. Well, I just, I'm sorry. I, it just slipped my mind and I am so sorry. I guess I'm, I guess I'm maybe a little nervous because I don't, I'm afraid I might say the wrong thing. So. And that's the last thing I want to do. I want to help. But sometimes I get nervous, you know, and I hope, I hope that doesn't reflect badly on me. Nancy, are you still there? And, and what is, I'm, I can barely hear y'all. What is, what is the person's name? Nancy. Nancy. Okay. But Nancy, I want you to know that we are here for you, and anything you want to talk about, you can talk about. You know, there. What we want you to do is, is pour your heart out to us if if you feel comfortable in doing so, and know that you won't be judged. You will not. There will there will be no judgment here. We'll do everything we can to help you. I want you to know that we we are a few of those people. Okay? Um, we've got no response. We've got um we've got uh probably sixty seconds left for the show, but I encourage you, Nancy, to call back in. Um, like I said, um 
uh, five nights we have the um, show Monday through Friday night. And tomorrow night we've got a guest, um, guest and I'll also be the uh, host tomorrow night, or I'll be on the show tomorrow night. And we got 60 seconds left. I'm going to quick say the serenity for um, the other one, NASCO. Please grant me the serenity to stop beating myself up for not doing things perfectly. The courage to forgive myself right. because I always try my best. And the wisdom to know that I am a good person with a kind heart. And I just want to thank Cherie for coming on. And thank you, Nancy, for um, what you did share. And, uh, again, um, this is Victoria Kelly. And my number is on the website, 763-703-0439. And all these shows are archived. And this is number 3292, which means we've got over 3,000 shows that um, are archived on the uh, Black Talk Radio Show. So we got 10 seconds. Thank you, everybody. And I'm going to play the music and continue to thank get you. support because you deserve it. Yes, thank you. You have a wonderful night. Yep. Tomorrow, that's all.